You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. If you're listening to this, if you can hear the sound of my voice, it is November 4th. If you're listening to me in the United States of America and you have not yet voted in person at your voting place, perhaps in T-ballot, in advance, early voting, if you have not yet voted and you listen to this podcast, you will be cursed Forever. You will never get an erection ever again. Your vagina will dry up and blow away. You may listen to this podcast if you are on your way to a polling station to vote. And vote for Barack fucking Obama. Or if you've already voted. If you have not voted and you do not intend to vote and you are not on your way to a polling station or you are not filling out your absentee ballot that you're going to rush into the mail this afternoon and you listen to this podcast... I place a curse on you and your dick, your genitals, your, your, your vagina, your tits will fall off. You will never, ever get laid ever again. If you marry, your husband will confess to you on your wedding night that he is a necrophiliac furry dog lover. You may not listen to this podcast until you've gone out and done your civic fucking duty and voted for Barack fucking Obama. Are we clear? This podcast is brought to you by LivePerson.com. LivePerson.com, a world of experts. I dated this girl for a little over two years, and we broke up just at the end of July, and I really wasn't expecting it, so it was pretty hard on me, and I've been trying to get over her since. And then at the end of August, she started dating this other guy, and that hit me pretty hard because I thought it was pretty soon. And I'm still in love with her to this point, just to mention that. And, uh, but since she's been going out with this new guy, she's been calling me and sending me text messages every now and again, saying, oh, Dominic, I still love you, or I'll be there for you always. And then one night she turned up outside the house crying and saying, can I come outside and talk to her? So I went outside for a few hours, talked to her, and then she said, what happened to our relationship? And then she tried to kiss me, and as much as I wanted to, I didn't. And then I get all this advice from my friends saying, you know, you just have to ignore her completely, like not talk to her at all. But as I'm still in love with her, I don't want to do that, so I kind of ignore it a bit. But I just want to know, because I'm getting mixed signals from her, and if I'm still in love with her, but she's in this new relationship, I just want to know what you think. You say we broke up, but I'm going to assume that she dumped you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have these feelings for her, waka waka, you wouldn't care that she's dating somebody else necessarily. And you say that she's sending you mixed signals, and it sure sounds like it. Dumping your ass and then dating some other guy and then showing up at your house crying and sending you these bullshit text messages. I'm with your friends. You should have nothing to do with her. However, you do have, if you want to, keep her in your life. You have a future with her. You have a future of drama and bullshit and drunken scenes and head games. You have a beautiful future of bullshit to look forward to if you keep this woman in your life. If you don't tell her to fuck the fuck off. Maybe she's worth it. You know, some people put up with 
drama and bullshit and head games for decades because they're just so in love with that other person or they feel they can do no better than that other person or there's something about that other person physically or emotionally that just blows your fucking mind. If you, if she's worth it, if she's worth this bullshit, cause this bullshit won't stop by all means, keep her in your life. You have a future together, a miserable fucking torturous future. Enjoy. Hi there. I am a gay black male in my mid thirties calling from Chicago, Illinois. Um, lately, I've been meeting a lot of guys who are already in relationships. I don't know what it is about that, but every guy that approaches me um, is usually in a long-term committed relationship with someone else. I wanted and needed to know what it is that I'm giving off that is attracting this to me. But yeah, it's like uh, really great guys, really, you know, fun guys, but then after I have to ask them the question, are you involved? Um, the answer is usually yes. So how do I go about attracting single individuals to me? I, I, to give you a little background on me, I'm also a personal trainer and amateur bodybuilder. And um, I don't know, I think a lot of guys see the chest and arms and kind of get a little carried away and kind of objectify me and you know whereas I'm looking for something a little more a lot more stable and substantive than some one night fuck help me out man alright you say lately over the last five or six months you've been meeting a lot of guys who are already in relationships um that could just be a string of coincidences that that don't mean nothing. You're blaming yourself here. You're blaming the victim. You're saying, what am I doing? What vibe am I giving off that's attracting this kind of attention from partnered guys? Uh, you could be doing nothing wrong. You just, you know, pulling up a string of short straws, uh, and you don't need to blame yourself. However, you ask, how can you attract single individuals? Um, you can attract single. You can attract. You're going to attract everyone you attract, and some of them are going to be single, and some of them are going to be partnered. You say you're in your 30s. A lot of guys in their 30s are partnered. Most long-term male couples uh, allow for a little outside sexual contact. I know that pisses people off when I say it out loud. It just so happens to be the truth, and the studies all back me up, and everybody who insists that we can't say that out loud where straight people might hear us and are now going to call and leave me furious messages uh, from the gay white lie brigade can suck my dick. Or not, because I'm partnered. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, so a lot of the guys, you know, in your age cohort are going to be involved, are going to be settled down, but also are going to have gotten, you know, been with their partner long enough to get the, you know, get out of uh, adultery free card every once in a while. And they see you and you're roughly their age and you're at the gym and you're hot. And so that they go for it. And you can't really blame them for going for it, particularly if you're hot. Uh, and it sounds like you're hot and you have a very hot voice. Um, today's the another one of those shows where it's going to be all these dudes with hot voices. I love these shows. Um, I hope you don't mind that I'm not objectifying your arms and your chest, but I am objectifying your voice. I hope that's all right. Um, where was I going with this? I'm all flush and flustered now. Uh, Tech heavy at risk youth are shrugging. Uh, so here's what you do. Uh, you recognize you're in a, a profession where you're kind of inviting objectification. That's part of what the professional trainer class at the gym sells. Look at me. Ain't I hot? Don't you want to be like me? And you recognize uh, that being objectified, you say, you know, you're looking for something more stable than objectification. Objectification comes first. 
You know, a guy's going to be attracted to you because of what's on the outside, and that's okay. And what you need to do when the guys approach you because of your outside is uh, determine right away if they're single or partnered. If you've had this string of bad luck, just throw that right out on the table or right out on the bar if they offer to buy you a drink or right out onto the sweaty-ass weight bench if you're at work and say, hey, look, uh, are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? Because I'm not interested in being anyone's piece on the side. Just toss it out there. There's no harm done there. And if the guy's approaching you roughly your own age, you have an absolute right to say that. However, you know, uh, you're looking for something stable. You can find that with somebody who thinks you're the fucking hottest thing they've ever seen and whose eyes hurt when they look at you and they just want to fucking bone you or be boned by you. Uh, Most successful long-term relationships are one-night stands that stuck. So just hang in there and don't rule out the guys who drool. Uh... And uh, determine right away if the guys who are coming after you are, are single or partner. Tell the partner guys, thanks, you're not interested. Tell the single guys to drop their drawers. Hi, Dan. Um, I was calling with a question about eating pussy. Um, I know this isn't exactly your forte, but I thought I'd call it anyway. Um, a lot of girls my age I talk to, I'm 19, um, say that they don't really enjoy getting head or don't really want to get head. And this isn't even sexual partners I've had. It's, it's girls like friends of mine that I've talked to. But, and that just seems insane, right? Like, why wouldn't they want to have or get head of me? Eating pussy. What is this, the Halloween show? No, it's the election day show. Actually, I'm part of the problem here. A lot of the girls your age, the young girls, girls in, in their teens, are uncomfortable about eating pussy because they worry that their vaginas are dirty or smelly because they see on commercials these feminine hygiene products and they sometimes read advice columns by snarky obnoxious faggots who are more comfortable eating ass than <laughs> eating pussy and it makes them feel like you know uh, they may feel okay about the pajamas but they worry that their boyfriend will get his nose down there and she might not be totally fresh or totally clean and then he'll dump her ass as if when she goes down on him he's always sparkling clean at all times um most women get over it most girls get over it. Sometimes it takes an insistent, uh, indulgent, compassionate boyfriend to lead them to you know, the power of their own pussies, that their pussies are beautiful and delicious. And you can bring them around by demonstrating your desire to go down on them. You know, and there's also a lot of sex negativity in our culture, most of which falls on the shoulders of women where – They have to pretend they're not interested in more than one partner at a time or more than one partner in their lifetimes uh, lest they be thought sluts. So even girls who are, you know, who'd like to bang the whole football team and there's nothing wrong with that feel like they have to go, oh, no, no, just, you know, I'm a one-woman man. And girls who have fetishes feel like they have to deny it at first. And girls who want nothing more than to see the back of their boyfriend's head in their laps for three hours straight while they watch, I have no idea what, Project Runway, season finale. Um marathon, feel like they have to deny it. Feel like they say, oh, no, no, I'm not really interested. I have no real sexual agency. It's really all about you. It can take women some time to come out of that shell, to come out of that defensive crouch, really, that the culture puts them in, where if they have desires, if they want to have their pussy, and if they you know, want to have a MMF three-way, the way most boys are comfortable admitting they want to have a FFM three-way, that they're going to be bad or judged. Most women come out of it. You're, the women you're talking to now, the girls your own age, I guarantee you will come out of their shells eventually, particularly if guys like you, the guys they're dating, uh, draw them out. That's your job. Has the financial meltdown left you with a world of questions? 
At LivePerson.com, you can chat live online with thousands of experts who have the answers that matter now. Real estate, mutual funds and investing, 401ks, career change and advice, resume writing, entrepreneurship, startups and raising capital, accounting, foreclosures, and debt counseling. LivePerson.com has over 30,000 experts ready to help. Find yours today. It's free to start at LivePerson.com, a world of experts. Hi, Dan. This is Elizabeth, a 33-year-old straight female, and my partner and I have recently noticed that your podcast seems to be moving away from sex advice and more into relationship advice, which just makes you sort of mean and preachy. So we think you should get back to sex advice, and in that regard, we have a couple questions. The first one is, is it ever okay to hide under someone's desk and get them a blowjob while they're working, at work, at an office? And in regards to that, what do you think are the best, most fun places to have sex outside of your home? I don't know when you joined us, lady, but I can be just as mean and preachy giving sex advice as I am giving relationship advice. There's nothing about the relationship advice hat that makes me mean and preachy. I arrived mean and preachy. Fuck you, lady. Um, I hope you voted for Barack Obama, though. Now, uh, is it ever okay to hide under the desk at work and give your partner a blowjob? Of course it's okay to hide under the desk at work and give your partner a blowjob. It's also, in most workplaces, a firing offense. If your partner's willing to run that risk, go for it. You just have to be willing to, you know, to, to shoulder the consequences if they should fall upon you both. Um, that's the thing about risky sex or, you know, sex in public or dangerous places where you might get caught is that without that frisson of danger, without that element of, oh, geez, Louise, the consequences, what should happen if we get caught? What if your coworkers see us, hear us, find us? Without that, it's not – it's just a blowjob. Might as well be at home in a locked bedroom. Like what makes that blowjob scintillating, what elevates that blowjob from mere blowjob status to actual – you know, crazy-ass motherfucking blowjob status, is that you might get caught and you might get in trouble if you do get caught. But yeah, of course it's okay. Uh, I- I've – I'm not going to go there. My boyfriend doesn't want me to talk about those things. Now, um, and, and that would bring us into the realm of preachy relationship talk if I bring up my goddamn boyfriend. Now, uh, the best and most fun places to have sex outside of the home. That's really subjective. I hate that question. I get that all the time. Um, you know, what's the sexiest kind of porn? What are the best sex toys to incorporate into our relationship to spice it up? What are the kinks you would most recommend, like a couple that's only after vanilla sex, to go experiment with? For It depends on where you think the most exciting place to have sex outside of your bedroom is. What turns you on? Some people may think it's super sexy, like you have done, to have sex at work. Uh, some people may think it's super sexy to have sex in a park in the middle of the night in the dark. Some people think it's super sexy to have sex in public in broad daylight uh, quickly, um, a- a- even if they're seen, uh, which is kind of rude to the people who may not want to look. It-, it all depends on what turns you on. That's a question that people shouldn't ask me. That's a question that people and you should ask yourselves. Uh, hey, Dan. Uh, 20-year-old male, Galveston, Texas. My question is, is there a way I can reduce the amount of accurate that I shoot? I'm not trying to brag. I, re- I really, it's a problem. Um, there's one line on my back, I swear to God, it is like a fountain. And I, I'm sorry, but, I, you know, I don't really have the paper to fly it around to take care of that. Um, if you know of anything diet-wise or exercise or something, um, maybe that can help. Thanks. Bye. Like I said, it's sexy fucking accent or uh, or voice day. Let's not call that an accent. That's so 
belittling and dehumanizing. And, you know, one accent is no better than another accent. And, you know, one regional dialogue no better than the other. But Jesus Christ, you straight boys with your sexy fucking little accents today. You're working me up. I wish you were here with me at work. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth, perhaps under the desk. Now, you can't really do anything about the amount of your ejaculate. It, a lot of guys write in because they feel like they don't come enough. They want to come like a porn star. They want to gush and gush. Uh, and they ask me what they can do, and I have to tell them so long as they're thoroughly hydrated and <laughs> they're allowing enough time to lapse between orgasms. There's nothing else that they can do. Uh, there's nothing really that you can do. You must have uh, very effective um, – aggressive, uh, efficient prostate gland that's drawing a lot of fluids out of your bloodstream, creating a lot of seminal fluid, uh, a lot of ejaculate, and a lot of, you know, it's not coming from your balls, by the way. That's semen, you know, little spermatozoas. They come from your balls. The rest of it comes from elsewhere. Um, and you're having those contractions. You have an orgasm, and what's in there is going to come out, and there's really nothing you can do about it. You're just going to have to ride the wave. I have a memory. Maybe I was... Seven years old, and I was curious what French kissing was, and I asked my father, and I remember my dad um, offering to try it with me, and I said no, and that was it. Um, I'm not sure what to think about this. I guess I don't really have a question. I just don't know what to think about this. Um, I haven't experienced any kind of sexual abuse that I know of, um, and my dad and I have a good relationship, and um, yeah, that's about it. As a parent, I just want to apologize on behalf of all parents everywhere. I do have a theory about what, my, what might have been going through your father's head. You say there was never any abuse that uh, you have a really good relationship with your dad and everything else is always hunky-dory and appropriate. Um, a lot of parents of young children drink because we must. Uh, we also make jokes frequently uh, that we assume are flying over the heads of our children. Um, sometimes they don't, and we don't realize it until too late. Um, I tried to get you on the phone and failed. I wanted to know if maybe there are other adults around in the room with an earshot when your father said this. He might have said it as a joke uh, for their benefit, assuming it flew over your head. Um, if you were alone and he said this in some sort of serious way or you remember him saying it in some sort of serious way, that is kind of creepy and fucked up. And here's what I would do if I were you. I would go to your father I would go to my father and say, remember when I was seven and I said this and you said that? What was that about? And if he has any sense, he'll say, oh, my God, I was kidding. That was a joke. It was inappropriate. <laughs> I'd had a martini and I was just the first thing that fell out of my mouth and I thought it was funny and it wasn't funny. I can't even believe you remember it. And I'm sorry. Even if that's not the case, even if you meant it, that's what he should say. Make him listen to the podcast before you call him so he knows exactly what he should say to set your mind at ease. Um, but let's give your dad the benefit of the doubt. He didn't stick his tongue down your throat. He never, ever uh, abused or molested you in any way. There was no other inappropriate moments your whole life. I mean, think about it. You spent a great deal of time with your parents uh, when you're a small child, naked and vulnerable and alone. Um, and adults say inappropriate things to each other because they have brain farts all the time. Adults say inappropriate things to children sometimes for the same reasons. Uh, when you consider all the other opportunities your father had uh, – 
over the course of your childhood to say or do inappropriate things and goob you out, uh, that there was only one incident, just one, and it involved no actual uh, touching of tongues or anything else, uh, I'd say that he has a pretty good track record on respecting your boundaries, um, but for this one uh, unfortunate remark. So even if you don't want to confront him about it, you don't want to open that can of worms, you could give him the benefit of the doubt and write it off. Uh, but I would encourage you to say, Dad, what the fuck was up with that? Um, because I'm sure uh, he didn't mean it. And if it bothers you to this day, you know, 18 years later, it still uh, bothers you. Uh, maybe it would help if you gave him the opportunity to withdraw the offer officially, finally, and formally, and forever. Uh, hey, Dan. Last night... Uh was very last night there was a lot of alcohol involved um with my situation um I've been dating this girl for about a month um it's been more than we could have both have ever asked for uh it's absolutely amazing we're not uh, jumping at anything you know too far but we're we're taking it at the perfect pace and we haven't had a, you know any um fights or or arguments or anything at all um it's been great sex has been great. Um, everything's been pretty much perfect. But uh, last night, um, we were at a party, and as sick as I was, um, people that were there that I don't know were taking care of me last night, and my my girlfriend was uh, nowhere to be seen. Um, turns out, once I was doing a lot better and uh, with a few gallons of water in me, um, that she had hooked up with another guy last night. Um, my girlfriend has a tendency, when she is drinking, to be very flirty, very flirty. Um, and so I don't know. My question for you is, do I blame it on the alcohol, or do I have a serious talk with her about it, where we're going from here? Because uh, everything, like I said, has been perfect, so I don't know where to go. Blame it on the alcohol or a serious talk. You present these options as if they're mutually exclusive, as if you couldn't blame it on the alcohol and have a serious talk. You've only been dating a month. No formal commitment has been made. I presume there's no ring on her finger. There's no commitment. Uh, perhaps you haven't even verbalized the going steady bullshit or the exclusivity bullshit. Uh, perhaps you should so that if this happens again, it's understood to be a violation of a commitment that she has made uh, to you. You like her. It sounds like you like her a lot. Frequently when we're in a relationship or seeking to enter into a relationship with someone or even in a very long-term relationship with someone, we want to find our way toward forgiving them for something that may be unforgivable, like hooking up with somebody else. <laughs> and we'll, it sometimes helps us to get there, uh, you know, to let that thing go so we can have the bigger thing that we value more, uh, which is the relationship and that person still in our life. To blame a third party, an inanimate object, uh, substance like booze or drugs, instead of pinning the blame on the person who's ultimately responsible, you know, the girl we've been dating for a month or uh, our, our long-term partner, that isn't always irrational. That isn't always an idiotic thing to do. It's an idiotic thing to do over and over and over and over again. I think if, you know, you're with her, if say you, you know, you, you stay with this girl you clearly like a lot, you marry her and this happens once a month forever, you can't keep blaming the booze, right? At a certain point, you have to admit that she's the problem, not Johnny Walker, right? 
But at this early stage, or if it just happened once, and it allows you to stay in this relationship and continue to pursue her and pursue whatever you two might have together, to blame the booze this time, it's a bit of a rationalization. But it's not, and this is contradictory, it's not an irrational rationalization. It's not a rationalization that I'm going to begrudge you or anyone else who's ever been in a long-term relationship will begrudge you because we've all done it. We've all looked at our partner, knew that he or she was to blame, and blame, pinned the blame for our own sanity and for the sake of the relationship on something or someone else. You can too. Hi, Dan. I am 23. My boyfriend is 25. And we've been together for a little over a year and a half, and we live together, and everything's wonderful and great, and it's the best sex of both of our lives, and yada, yada. We want to be together forever, and after being with many other people, I think that this may possibly work out. Um, to put it not so lightly, I want his babies. And I don't know if I'm quite ready for this situation that I've found myself in. Um, I think I could be quoted in saying that I'm not ready to hang up my vagina at 23. And the opportunity for opening our relationship presented itself recently when he decided that he wanted to move to another state for a year. That being said, um, we're going to break up for a year and allow ourselves to do what we need to do. And I'm totally comfortable with this. He's totally comfortable with this. But everybody around us doesn't seem to quite understand what's happening and they, they all seem to be very confused and upset and that this is going to destroy us and and um, I'm a little concerned that, you know, this may be one of those situations that you mention quite often where if everybody around you, you know, thinks that you're not, maybe you're not. Meeting the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, I just hate it when people regard that as, when they say things like, that means I'm going to hang up my vagina at 23. Like, when you find the person that you want to be with for the rest of your life, that should be the beginning of your sexual adventures, not the death of them. You're not having your vagina spackled over or Right, and that's, why, and that's why I said that I didn't want to do that. Right. And, that and I you don't have to do that. And, you know, to open things up every once in a while or to have sexual adventures uh, every once in a while doesn't require breaking up or moving away or anything else. You can stay together and still have adventures. I think it's really bad for long-term relationships and bad for marriage, and I think the divorce statistics bear me out. When so many people regard marriage as the death of uh, sexual adventure and the death of, of unique and new experiences, rather than you have a partner in crime now that you can have those experiences with, uh, just the two of you, sometimes maybe somebody else can jump on the ride for a spin, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're definitely we're definitely open to everything, and That's we great. and we're 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 very adamant about continuing to stay GGG. I just I think the main issue here is that my family just doesn't really seem to get what's happening, and and I know that it's it's not 
they don't need to get what's happening because this is our lives. And right, right. They don't, they don't need to get it. Also, you may have given them, what's that expression that children were using only too recently, TMI, too much information? Yeah. You could have said yeah. he's going to Alaska for a year because he he's always wanted to go, and we're still together. Yeah. And then you could have winked at each other every time you said that because you knew that your relationship was going to exist in a state of suspended animation while you were right. apart. You could fuck whatever the both of you cared to, although I urge him to stay the hell away from the Palin family. Right. Well, I think that he wants to stick to black girls for a little while, so it, it might work. And he's going to go to Alaska? <laughs> I know. I know. I told him good luck finding, like, the one hot, skinny, fashionable black girl what in Alaska. Think about New York City or Chicago or Los Angeles oh, yeah. or Atlanta. Yeah. Alaska. Well, I get to go back to New Orleans, where I'm from, and where there's no one to sleep with because I've already pretty much slept with everybody that there is to sleep with there. So he gets to go to Alaska, and I get to go back to high school, basically. It's fine for you guys to do what you're doing, and you don't need anyone else's permission. A lot of people have done what you've described, where they've met when they're very young, they're pretty sure that they want to be together forever, but they feel like there's this niggling thing in the back of their heads telling them to be absolutely positively sure we need to suspend this for a little while, be with a couple of other people so I can be satisfied in the knowledge that this was the right choice, that you were the right choice. This doesn't need it me forever. However, having said that, when your family and friends express their credulity or incredulity at what you're doing, um, you need to – that needs to register a little bit. Like you said, you're concerned, you know, when everybody else is saying you're wrong, maybe you need to give that some weight. And, and yeah. maybe you do need to give that a little bit of weight. Um, because you may be uh, absolutely certain that he's the one for you and that after this year is up, you're going to definitely get back together. He may not be so certain, and he may be allowing you to think that, and he may be telling you that. Right. I thought about that one. Because he wants you to wait on him just in case, that he wants all his options open. Also, conversely, for all he knows, you're doing the same thing to him. Right? (laughs) Right. So there's no guarantee that after this year you're going to be the same people or want the same things that you did at the beginning of your hiatus. Right. Well, I know that I want his family and that I know that I want his family to be involved in in my children's life. Um, So that's really definitely helping. That's really weird. (laughs) I think I've actually told him before that if we break up that his parents still have to be the grandparents of my child. <laughs> That's cute and creepy and charming and, and, and healthy. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, you know, all I'm going to say is, you know, your instincts are right, that you guys should do this. If it's what you both want. Uh, he's fucking crazy yeah. uh, if he's moving to Alaska to bang a black chick. Um, <laughs> you should do this. He's moving to Alaska for AmeriCorps and just maybe hoping that there. <laughs> um now that there are black chicks in Alaska, I'm sure we'll get a few calls from them after this comes out. Yeah. I'm not saying there aren't. I'm just saying, you know, well, move if, to New York if City, they like, wider selection from which to choose. Yeah. Um, you can do if the they hiatus. like the tall, skinny types. <laughs> you can do the hiatus thing. He can go and do what he needs to do. You should certainly do who, whoever you need to do. But you both need to accept that this could be the end. I know. And also, staying together could be the end. There are no guarantees. Well, I feel like staying together may be more of the end than If you love something, you have to set it free, and if it doesn't come back to you, hunt it down and kill it, which is the Alaska way. Right? Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't learn that way while he's there. Right. And if, you know, and if he doesn't, you know, you like his family so much, if, if he decides to run off and marry some black Alaskan, 
check. Yeah. You can certainly move in on his father and break up his parents' marriage and marry into the family that right. way. His dad's a vet, so it works out beautifully. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan. You're welcome. Well, we're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it with black Alaskans and baked Alaskans and hopefully the defeat of vicious, clueless, log-stupid Alaskans in the election today. Hopefully we will not only be sending the previous caller's boyfriend off to Alaska for a year of banging the three black chicks in Alaska, but we'll also be sending the entire Palin clan back to Alaska, strapped to a bobsled, uh, with some Norplant shoved under their arms, into their arms. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future program, please uh, feel free to give us a buzz. Try to keep your question under a minute or two and include a callback number so we can ambush you too uh, with a call at the least opportune moment possible uh, to talk about your problem. Once again, that number, 206-201-2720. Once again, podcast isn't over yet. If you've listened to the entire podcast and you have not yet voted, a curse will fall upon you and your genitalia and you'll never have sex ever again. But if you go and vote, and you vote now, and you vote the right way, it's a partisan program, ladies and gentlemen, if you vote the right way, vote Barack Obama, only good things will happen to you and your genitals from now through 2012, at least. 206-201-2720. Me and the tech savvy at-risk youth. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.